Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism Podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out. The next step in the order of love, when God says, I love you, and we start to look to that love, and we start to trust in that love, we start to be transformed by that love, the next step in the order of love is not that we love others, it's actually that we love God. We love God. Remember, Romans 5, verse 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So before our love for God, or before his love for us, and we realize it, what are we doing? We might try to love God, but we will never love God like God wants to be loved. We'll give him tainted love, imperfect human love. It'll be a love that's not completed love. It won't be perfected love. But when God comes into our life, when we realize his love for us, he puts his love in our hearts. And now when we return that love, God is actually getting the love that he wants. A love that's made complete through the power of his gospel. And now we're loving God properly. Look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, and you should know this. I'm going to pick up towards the center of the verse. It's, well, actually, we'll just do the whole verse. Starting in verse 36, Jesus is talking about the greatest commandments. And you know, some of the teachers of the law are asking Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says to them, says to him, the person asking, What's the first and greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, okay? Then what does he say? This is the first and greatest commandment. Oh, but I still need to love others, but okay, that's coming. In fact, you'll see that that's the second greatest commandment, but the first and greatest commandment, don't forget, is what? Love God. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then he says the second is like it, which means the second greatest commandment, right? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. We can never properly love others unless we first love God and find all that we need in him. We were just singing, Jesus, you are my all in all, right? So here's a question. According to that song, you were singing it, so you should agree with this. How would you answer this question? Is Jesus your everything? Is he your all? Is Jesus your everything? Yeah, Jesus is my everything. Well, is everything enough for you? If everything is enough for you, then you can... Stand in this world to be hated by others. Why? Because you have everything in Jesus Christ. Jesus is my all. I don't need more. And so when you love God first and you find everything that you need in Him, you are in a position now and you are opened up to actually give unconditional love to others. Do you see that? So is Jesus your everything? You need to love God first. And if you get this wrong, you start to try to love others. What ends up happening is you start to use them. You start to give to get from them. And they might hate you, but you're going to hate them back because they're not giving you what you want. 
But when you love God first and you see his love for you and you love him in return, you have perfected love. You have love that is complete according to the scripture. You have everything that you need and now you're free to love others. Like God wants you to love them. To be his representatives. Just as he had unconditional love for you, now you can show unconditional love to others. Don't get the order of love wrong. God loves you. And then what? You love God. Some of us, we forget this even as believers. And maybe we go through doubts and we think, does God really love me right now after what I've done? Well, what happens when you do something stupid or you sin? One, you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin. You need to turn to God. But two, you have the guarantee of the gospel. That if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And notice, you're called to confession. You're not just called to admit it. Yeah, God, I did it, but to have a heartfelt confession. And this is going to happen if you're born again. If you're born again, you will not be comfortable in your sin. You will actually be sorry for your sin. If you're not sorry for your sin, you've got to check your heart. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe your order of love is off, right? But when you do sin, you have that conviction from the Holy Spirit, and he says to you, you have done something that's offensive to me. And we come to him in heartfelt confession. We can be confident that the scripture is true, even when our feelings say that we're not forgiven. Here's the thing, Martin Luther, he said, feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token, there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever, for though all things shall pass away, his word shall stand forever. The word of God is where we get our confidence, not our feelings, not our friends, not our family, but the word of God. And when the word of God says that if we confess our sins, not just admit like saying, I did it, you know, who cares, but actually come in heartfelt confession with actual sorrow in our heart, the guarantee of the scripture is forgiveness. And so if you feel guilt afterwards, that is not the spirit in you, that might just be Satan trying to get to you. Maybe it's your heart lacking some faith and you need some help there and you ask God to help you there. But it's not God and his word because his word is sure and it guarantees forgiveness. And so what do you do? You get up and you walk in the grace of God and you preach the forgiveness that you've been given and it becomes a testimony to this world about the forgiveness that they can have. His word is what stands Sometimes we don't realize how much God has actually given us in his grace. My wife and I, we went on a cruise for our honeymoon. And you know how cruises go. If you pay for it, generally it's all inclusive, right? How silly would it be if I went on that cruise and I brought a sack lunch? I, got a, I, just, I didn't know. And you get on there and, and then you, you have your sack lunch. And then you, maybe you go to your dining table and the server looks at you like you're crazy. What are you doing bringing a sack lunch on a cruise? Don't you know the cruise is all inclusive? And then you say, no, I, don't, I didn't know that. But here's the deal. When you finally get it and it clicks and you understand how all-inclusive the grace of God is, you get to throw out that sack lunch and understand that you have everything you need in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. Some of you, when you got saved, you didn't realize how much you got when you got Jesus, okay? 
And maybe you're doubting. You're like, did I do this right? Did I not do this right? And it was all a free gift of God that he's given you through his spirit and his son. And I want to say this. Just because you didn't read the brochure before you got on board with Jesus doesn't mean it's not yours. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just because you didn't read all the Bible before you... you don't, you're not required to read the whole Bible when you come to know Jesus. But when you come to know Jesus, God does expect you to get to know him by spending time with him. And the more you, time you spend with him, the more you realize, oh, I already have this in Jesus Christ. I didn't realize I already had this as well. Oh, God has given me this for life and godliness. In fact, the Bible is clear that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Remember, don't forget, Jesus is our everything. If Jesus is our everything, we can possess nothing and yet have everything. Why? Because we have Jesus. We have all that we need. Just because we didn't understand it when we were younger Christians doesn't mean it's not ours right now. And so we draw on the power of God and not our own strength. We draw on preaching Jesus Christ as Lord and not ourselves, but ourselves as his servants for his sake. Why? Because he's our great provider. He's the one who provides what we need. Not ourselves. And we fool ourselves and we think, what I've gotten for my family, I've gotten by my own two hands. No. That's a gift of God. Without Jesus Christ, you couldn't do anything. Everything you need and everything you have is a gift from him and his provision. You can go 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, be tempted by the devil, and be able to say, I don't need that bread. Why? Because I live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the end, it's not the bread that sustains you. It's your God. Is Jesus your everything? Is everything enough? So you look to God. And you see his love for you, that's the first thing. Order number one, order number two. Your love for him, and now you're free. You're free to love God and others properly. Does God love the world? Yeah. Does God live in you? Or if you're a believer, the answer is yes. If you're surrendered to him and you're letting him work in your life, you're going to love others just going to happen naturally. We love others comes when we realize God's love for us, when we love him properly. It's just going to be a natural reaction. We won't be able to help ourselves but love others. Why? Because we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. Look at the second part of Matthew chapter 22. The verses we were going over is verse 36 through 40. It says, in the second, the second greatest commandment after loving God, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. If you love God, you will, not might. If you genuinely love God as he wants to be loved and you love him with the love that he's put in your heart, you will love others. You will. Are you loving people or are you using them? In college, a speaker said that, and it stuck with me. Is how often do we go out into this world and we love people to get from them, but the people that don't give to us, we stop loving. Where we're not getting, we say, I don't want to go over there. It's uncomfortable, right? Could you imagine if Jesus had that attitude? He'd never have come to this earth. We rejected him, and yet he came. You want to love God properly, you need to find all that you need in him. And then you're going to love others properly as well. It'll be a natural reaction. 
And there's a chain reaction if you get this wrong. When we lose sight of God's love for us, God's our everything, our love for others suffers and we seek fulfillment elsewhere. Our love goes from unconditional to conditional real fast. We love others to get from them when we're not receiving everything that we need from Jesus. But if we look to God, there's another reaction. And we see His love for us, something amazing happens with the Gospel. We start to love Him when we realize His love for us. And then the reaction follows that we can't help ourselves but love others. Why, like I said, because God lives in us and God loves others. Why? Because we won't be worrying about others liking us anymore because we have everything that we need in Jesus. He is enough. He is our all in all. And so now we can and we're free to unconditionally love others. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20-21 through 21 says that if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, John says he is a liar. Wow, that's strong terminology, right? Liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this command we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. This is a good litmus test. Does that person really love God? Are they loving others? It's going to happen. If they're not, they're liars. Our love for God is so important because it means God's love lives in us. If God's love lives in us, we will love others too. 1 John 4, verse 12 says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. This is showing that God abides in us and His love, not our love, His love has been perfected in us. Very interesting, right? Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, a few verses later. Love has been perfected or completed among us in this way, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Think about that. Nobody has seen the invisible God, and yet you're here as his representatives. And so when we love God and understand the order of love, his love for us, our love for him, and then we start to love others, something amazing happens. Skip Heidzig, a famous preacher out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he says that when we're loving others, we make the invisible God visible. Do you want to do that? Nobody is seeing God, but they can see him in you. When you love others. If you're not loving others... You're not loving God. Here's a test. Do you truly love God? Oh, yes, I truly love God. Are you truly, like God wants, loving others? I've asked the same question. If you're not truly loving others, you're not truly loving God. If you're not truly loving God, you won't truly love others. If you're not loving others, you're not loving God. You're here, and you're still on this earth to make the invisible God visible. To show people Jesus. So what do you do? Say you're not loving others properly, and you you have totally screwed up the order of love, and, and you want to get back on the right track. What is your solution today? 
You're going to love this. You're not supposed to go out and work harder. You're not supposed to go out and try to love more. Here's your first step in the order of love. You need to look to God's love and mercy. Aren't you glad that that's the first thing you need to do? What's the solution to this problem? How do I get out of this mess? I need to go out and do more. No, 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 no. You need to surrender to God and look to his love and something amazing is going to happen in your life. When you look to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you see the love of God for you, it will create in you a heart that wants to go out and love others, that wants to love God. Why? Because we love him because, not because we tried to love him, but because he first loved us. Are you looking to God's love and mercy right now? Good news if you are. If you do it long enough and you saturate yourself in his love and mercy and you bathe in his grace on a daily basis, your life will change. Respond to his love by loving him back and then loving others. Here, when you really see God's love for you, a sinner, you won't be able to help but love others as well. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to just pray for this congregation and for my life and my family's life. Those that I come into contact with, help me, help us not to forget your order of love. Help those that I come into contact with get to see your order of love through the gospel that you've given us to show them your work on our behalf when we didn't want you, Jesus Christ. Help me to be a messenger for that gospel, Jesus. Help us all to remember what you've done for us and to follow what you've given to us the way you want us to follow it. Not to get this order out of order, but to love you properly, Jesus. In your name. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today And not only is your order of love off, but you haven't realized that the gospel isn't about you doing a work. It's about what God has done on the cross on your behalf. That he's the first mover. And maybe the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart right now, and he's been moving on it through this whole entire message. And he's calling you to come to him and to receive his love for the first time for real. Not for the first time as if you were going through the motions and doing something legalistic because you had to. But for real, you see his love and you know that in your heart of hearts, you don't really know God like that. And you want to come to know him today. You want to know that if you were to die, you'd be in heaven with him. But also you want to know that if you were to walk out these doors, you can properly love him and others because you've responded appropriately to his love for you. And responding appropriately to his love for you means believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is his demonstration of love. The good news of Jesus is that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. And he was raised on the third day to guarantee you something better in the future, but also to bring you to life spiritually here while you're on this earth so that you would be born again of his spirit, that he would take you and make that dead heart alive in you. And if you want to come to know Jesus for real today, I want to encourage you to put your faith in him, not by simply saying a prayer, but by looking up, not to your works, but to God's work and saying, I trust in your love alone to get me to where I need to be when I die. 
If that's you, I will ask you to say a prayer of surrender, but it's a prayer that is a redirection of your focus from you and what you need to do to what God has done. And when that happens and you redirect your focus and put your faith in Christ's work alone, that chain reaction starts. You see God's love for you. You can't help yourself but love Him. And then you love others. If you'd like to hand your life over to Jesus, let Him know in a simple prayer of surrender. If that's you, let Him know right now. Say this prayer with me. Say this. Bow your heads, close your eyes. There's nothing magical about this prayer. Really, it's your faith that you're putting in Jesus that saves you. But just let him know in a prayer of surrender. Start out with a prayer of surrender. Say this to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I accept what you did on the cross and the forgiveness that you offer there. I believe you rose from the dead, and I ask you, raise me to life today. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart. I'm focusing on your love. I'm putting my eyes there. I'm not going to take them off to the best of my abilities. And help me when I waver, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that and you meant it, I want to welcome you to the family of God. Did this message draw you closer to God or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.